Let's do another one, babe. Um, let's do Centrist Madness. Centrist Madness. Oh my God! It's like this, the amount of madness that we've experienced these days. What's happening in the world? Um, <laughs> what's going on on Twitter? I mean, this week has been crazy. The stuff that's been posted. I mean, the first thing we, the first thing we got to talk about is how people are real mad that the vice presidential search is going on. People are mad about that. Yeah. People are real mad about him, him, him missing his deadlines. Well, it's not so much that. It's that they think... I've seen like two or three articles about it. They're like, Joe Biden promised he would have a VP candidate, but then he said it was going to take another week. And then they're like, they're, they're like this is like his fetish. His like fetish? Women, like women struggling is his fetish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like women battling. I, I hadn't heard it taken to that extreme. <laughs> like this is his fantasy. He's living out his fantasy of uh, uh, yes. w- women competing for his attention. <laughs> I love that. He, that's what he said in the, in the beginning. He's like, I don't know who it's going to be, but it will definitely be a woman. Yes. Well, oh. it's like... <laughs> but there's another way to think of it too, right? Is that he's he just loves strong women. What's wrong with that? He loves well, strong, intelligent black women competing to see who's the strongest and blackest. It's not it's it's not a, like if you're gonna have a it's fetish, the black this, hunger games. It's a really woke fetish, right? That's true. Nothing wrong with that. I like a strong woman too. But I don't know I don't like you know, I don't like pitting women against each other. No. But you know that's why I don't support women's sports. Well, you never because you I never, feel like women should be lifting each other up, not tearing each other down. You were never on board with this plan of his to of, absolutely of announcing, pick a woman. Oh no, it's absurd. Right, because in itself, it's sexist. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, at, be- at a fundamental level, you're choosing people based on. Uh, what gender. gender they are? That's not that's not okay, um, right? Um, but it's it's a weird sort of it's like Biden, who is an old man, <laughs> who's an affable but very old guy, very old. Like him reinterpreting what he's supposed to do, which is kind of adorable because he's like, oh, like you know, I'm supposed to choose a woman. And he's not wrong. Like, he is supposed to choose a woman. <laughs> right. <laughs> if, he chose, if he chose a white guy, it would be an issue. But don't you think right? that, I mean, if he chose Pete, like, a gay guy is enough. Right, but you got to have something. Like, it can't be a straight white guy. That's what he should have done. I think, I think what he should have done is say, I will not pick a straight male. A straight white male. I will not pick a straight white male. Then he could have done what he wanted, which was pick Pete, right? You think he wanted to pick Pete? Oh, uh, he loves Pete. Yeah, right? he said he like reminded him of his son, right? That's strong words. You remind me of my dead son. Yeah. That's some heavy yeah. shit. Yeah. Right. So uh, he didn't. He didn't tell any of the others that they reminded him of his daughter. Right. Uh, the like a son community took such a hit that day, right? Yeah, that was absolutely brutal uh, for the like a son community. Um, well, it was always that Bernie thought uh, Beto was his son, right? That was the like a son community, right? Um, but you know, yeah. So it's 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 definitely kind of sexist, but you know, I mean, who cares, really? But in any case, I don't think he's done anything wrong to these women by interviewing them to become vice president. Well, yeah, and like, here's here's what I think it is. I think it's it's, it's also optional, right? Like, you don't have to. I think this whole thing. 
so be vetted. I actually think there's three things going on with this VP shit. Um, so, so one element of it is, is everyone is stuck at home, right? And we need something to write about more than ever. Right? Absolutely. The second thing is, um, I'm a my edible just hit, so I have to oh. think for a second. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what was the first thing I said? Um, everyone's stuck at home and they're bored. Right. Oh, yeah. So the second thing is he's really old, right? So the there's a really good chance that whoever the VP pick is will be vice president in the next four years, right? Yeah, there's... Will be a, president in the next four about years. About, like, I looked at the actuarial tables, and there's, like, a 20% chance he dies just given his age. And, you know, who, you know, you juggle everything, right? Like, presidents tend to live forever. Um, uh, yes. Who was the last president who died under 80? It's been a while, dude. It's been... Um, okay, but... Uh, I think Roosevelt. F- flipping it around I think it was... Little... For FDR was the last president to die under 80. No, dude, dude, fucking Kennedy. Come on. Well, it's kind of an asterisk. Why is that an asterisk? <laughs> because he got assassinated because he was president, right? Yeah, and then who became president? A guy who lived to 80. Right. So the point is, so the reason like, that we're talking about how long presidents live is the importance of the vice president. Sure. So you can't throw out Kennedy. So since Kennedy, that's, that's sixty years. It's like, um, you know, they yeah, tend to li- they the tend to live a long time, long time, is, given the medical care they're given. Okay. Okay. Fine. But even if the vice president doesn't take over because the president dies, they frequently go on to become president. Sure. They're, they're usually the presumptive nominee. Presumptive nominee, usually. Yeah, so it's a big deal. Like, you don't so want to just makes it a pick big deal Sarah Palin. A bigger story. Unless, unless, unless you're, you know, losing uh, horribly and you need to pick someone insane. Uh, but the other thing going on is that um, lefties want him to pick someone who, like, can't win. Right. They like either want, to, want him to pick. Or... They either want him to pick the most left wing person, right, or a person who can't win in twenty twenty four, so they can win with whoever they choose, right? Do you think? And now this is a little bit of a three D chess theory, but do you think that maybe the, <laughs> the reason that he said he was going to pick a woman is so just to like shut down the Bernie speculation? I mean, probably not, right? I think it's just his legacy, right? Violence Against Women's Women Act and like things like that. He does have a history of, you know, hiring women more than mm -hmm. anyone else, right? But presumably, I don't know, when he was making decisions before, when he needed like a a legislative assistant or, or, or whatever, he wasn't just like. All right, give me six women by Monday, you know. Sure. But like he he looked at everyone and hired women because they were the best for the job. Right. But it's not it's part of his identity and legacy, right? And Yeah. It, it is like a thing. It, it's it's becoming a thing that women haven't been in the White House yet. Like Right. Women are mad. Right? And you can you could be like Hey, I know that the Hillary thing is a constant source of grief for you. That mm-hmm. a rapist beat Hillary, right? Right. And I want to be respectful of the reality we live in. And wow, okay. You know, I won, so a woman can be vice president. Like that's the best I can do. I won. And that's a really good. You should work for Biden because, like, now I'm. Of course, kind of I should on board. work for Biden. Everyone knows this. Yeah. Right. Um, but like, uh, I mean, I never would have said it before, but now you should definitely work for him. Now's the turning point for you. That's great. Um, that was a great pitch. 
Because, like, I thought it was totally stupid, but when you explain it like that, I'm kind of on board. So, like, Karen Bass, right? She had this these videos come out. Well, a video and then a fact came out that means that you cannot nominate her, right? <laughs> like, you can't do a Scientology video. Um, you can't praise the Nation of Islam. Like, that combo is too much. You're done. And... Yeah, not even to mention fucking Castro. Like I'm so you combine you combine. I would these be things. so happy to support some, you know, far left candidate who's not going to pass any of their policies. But you know, like so what, right? Like if it's well, a centrist, we're far left if, essentially. Right? Yeah, I know, but like farther so left like, than us. Biden can't pick someone too far left for us, right? Oh, I mean, he could. Karen Bass is not too far left. No one considered right now is too far left, right? So it's not her leftism that's the problem. It's that she's clearly fucking... Well, it is her leftism that's a problem. Because if you go around praising Castro, which, okay, yeah, I I don't really care about. I think you could fade that. But you're you're going to fuck Florida. That's... Okay. But I think think you could have faded that. I feel like a lot of our position is just like trying to campaign manage leftists you know right like okay please don't praise castro that's not helping like you know please don't like call the cops pigs it doesn't play in middle america to be we wanted to be hired by bernie right like our problem with bernie is the people who work for him absolutely himself right like he like unerringly bad who who did bernie hire that was good like every time i see someone on twitter he ha- he hired simone idiot. sanders right mm-hmm. and then this time around she was like no thanks <laughs> right um, interesting like so she was by far the most talented person he had although i, I you know even jeff weaver is at least someone who has run successful campaigns, right? Uh-huh. But like he he started hiring Twitter people. Like their their only qualification was tweeting a lot. Yeah. Having Sean King be your surrogate in any way is insane. And it made me wonder like what kind of fucking president is this guy going to be? Right? He seems like I don't know what his hiring process is like, but he seems like he just delegates it. He doesn't care. Like he he's, doesn't care. It's just I mean, like whoever shows up, like he gives a speech and he's like, they oh, handle you're it. my, they handle you're it. my campaign like, manager. And then that idiot hires like 20 other idiots. But like the, the 2016 operation had like real people on it. Right. Right. So he hired Tad Devine to, you know, manage the convention. Like that's a serious hire. That's a that's a democratic operative. You're hiring uh-huh. operatives. Simone Sanders is an operative. Um, but like this time around, like his biggest Twitter lunatics, he just hired them. So like all the lunatics from the 2016 cycle got hired. Uh, yeah. Like, like wayward Winifred. Like Winifred. Like that's a crazy person who tweets about you a lot. That's an insane person. Yeah. Sorota, insane. Well, Sorota, there's a long-term thing. And Sorota's an operative, right? He's a he's a campaign guy. So there's at least some logic to it. But like Twitter people, that's that's not okay. Like I liked it that, when he said, uh, I was the first to write an essay about the shortcomings of our campaign, you lying sack of shit. <laughs> and then like that was just the start of it. And it went on for like three other sentences. I mean, I don't think they should have hired Sorota. I think Sorota was a mistake. And I mean, they lost. So what is it? What does they say? Victory has a thousand authors and uh, fathers, a thousand fathers. And what do they say about defeat? It's an orphan. Defeat is an orphan. Yes. So like, no, you know, failure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in truth, a, a failure like Bernie had has a thousand authors. Uh a lot of people made bad decisions along the way and there wasn't one thing that did it. Uh, so like, I think what I just said is kind of profound. 
Uh, oh, okay. Well, that edible he... definitely hit, then. No! 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 no. I, okay, okay. I think you make some good points. However, here's, like, the, the ultimate strategic failure of their campaign, right, is 30% strategy. Just forgetting that Democrats don't have winner-take-all primaries. Right. That whole theory... Yeah. ...of, um, you know, winning one primary... Like that doesn't yeah. work. Like winning, like a winnowing process where you win with twenty five percent. Yeah, that never but made sense. Uh, it's his personality, right? Bernie is not. He's 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 not gonna like pivot. He's not. <laughs> he's not gonna like move to the center. No. You know what I mean? Well, he wants. He's been. He's been the guy like on the left, like you know, yelling. With uh, integrity for 30 years or whatever, and um, he's not going to change, right? So, like, the 30% strategy plays into who he is as a candidate. Well, I think think they also got really caught up in this idea that um, 2016 was how politics works now. Yeah. So they looked at Trump and was like, oh, that's how you win now. Right. You win by being an insurgent candidate. Which people always do. And then everyone stays in forever, right? They thought, oh, yeah. well, everyone will just stay in way past they should and, and not, you know, they won't yeah. coalesce against me. You always fight the last war. And there was also a theory that that's what would have happened if we had a full Democratic primary, right? But in fact, yeah, um, I don't think you can have it without without any win- winner take all primaries. Well, the the true nature of it was um, that's just one year. That's all that means. Um, Twenty the the previous forty elections are more dispositive of how these things work. Right. But this uh, always happens. You know, it's like people think the polls are wrong this year because they were wrong last year. Right. People would talk about um, like 2008, right? Um, they thought it would obey all the rules of every previous election. Um, or 2012, I think that's a better example, is people thought like this should be close. You know, mm-hmm. like... Um, the way elections work is everyone is close. That's how it is now. Every election is super close. Yeah. So, and so like this stable polling lead that um, Obama had, people were like, well, you know, like that's not how it works anymore. You can't have that anymore. It's going to tighten up. And it never did. Like it never right. got over that hump. And then you get one election where the polls were right the whole time. And then people are like, oh, well, you know, it's 99% certainty. He's ahead in the polls. He's going to win, right? And then it doesn't happen. People are doing that all the time now. Like, they're they're just presuming that incumbents have this huge advantage. So, you know, add this to the list. Um, But it's not that way. It's like there's, there's certain things that are true, which is that someone who leads the whole race by 6% six to eight percent the whole way up to august they're gonna win like yeah they're an overwhelming favorite yeah the, um, the most important thing for biden to do to wrap this up is to is to stay alive stay alive be competent at the debates Just keep breathing yeah i, I guess people what are the debates gonna be like are they gonna? I guess they'll go somewhere, right? Empty room somewhere. Just empty room, and yeah. Um, Trump will say some drain shit. I mean, you know, he lost every debate last time. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I I don't know. I'm not looking forward to watching them. That's for sure. But I think that's it. Is Biden stays alive and uh, debates somewhat competently. Like he doesn't have to. He doesn't even have to be as good as he was against Bernie. 
I think Biden is going to cream him. I mean, just the amount of shit that Trump has done. You know, you can have just like fucking binders and binders. I thought I thought a really good thing to do would to be like real emotional and be like reach out to Donald and be like Donald, you know, things haven't gone well, you know. I, I feel for you. Like this is a disaster. You couldn't control it. Um and a lot of people are hurting. And, you know, it's just time to step aside. Be like that. Yeah. Because I don't know how that I think is, if you, I like that. I think if you do something like that and like talk to him is, like a hostage negotiator. You cause, know? Because the response Trump is gonna have is just be like blah, 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 Right. Right, right. And like if you just every time he does that, you're like, Donald, I'm talk sorry, but you know Talking like a child. I feel I you feel know? the pain inside you, I feel the sickness inside you. Um I know you're very tired. And I forgive you. I forgive you for what you've done. <laughs> I think that kind of attitude, there's no it's way you could really beat it's time it. time to make it right. Um, I'll just be, like, petulant. Yeah. Yeah, I'll call you. I think like, that's good. I think you could also simply remind everyone, because no human being is capable of remembering all of the fucked up things that Donald Trump has done. Oh, yeah. I think that's an important part of it. In the past four it. years, right? I think that's an important part of it, is to, like... So you Remind can be people like all the things that have gone wrong. Oh, so, like, you know, the thing you were impeached for and also approving uh, concentration camps in China to oh, sell soybeans. And well, another thing he needs to do. How about is, all the money you've been making off the presidency? Like, you can just go on and on and on. Well, another the thing to do General is like, be like, what you did to my son was horrible. Mm. Yeah. You know, you could leave my son out of it. Like, you could have, you didn't have to do this. That is um, good. To my family. I like your approach of the sort of compassionate touch. Because it's the one thing that we know that Donald Trump is completely incapable of handling, right? Well, it's not the one thing, but it's it's the most notable. Is he, He's never going to have, like... Oh, he's never going to have a human moment or kind of like show any sort of softness or right. weakness. Right. Like he doesn't have a um soul. He doesn't have any practice have soul. with it. Right? So it's going to throw well, him for a loop. I mean, it's it's been like ripped out of his personality by abusive father. Right. So if you sprinkle it in, I really think First of all, it's the right thing to say true. Like so, like whenever something's true, I really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like fundamentally true that this is the case. You uh, are a broken human, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from that standpoint, I really like it. Yeah. So what else went on on Twitter today? This week. Today. Uh, this, uh-huh. week? <clears throat> this week. This uh, week. People are real concerned about the. Postal Service. Well, they should be. Not the band. Never got into that band. Yeah. But the USPS making a lot of organizational changes three months before an election. Yeah, we know what's going on. a lot of mail-in ballots. We know what's going on. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But the I don't know. Like, it's definitely nefarious. It's definitely worrying. I guess the the most hopeful thing is they pro- I mean they're not good at anything. Right? So <laughs> Right. They're going to mess are, it up somehow. It seems like you could f- if there's one thing they could succeed at, it seems like it would be fucking something up. Right. But who knows? I mean, uh, they have the whole like, you know, you shouldn't do mail-in ballots thing. And then, you know, Trump figured out that was hurting him. So now he says they're okay in Florida. Right. So are they going to, you know, selectively undermine the post office in Florida or certain counties? I mean, it seems a little, a little tough. 
Well, I mean, polit- the political ramifications of it. I don't know. Like Trump is doing stuff that I had a surreal moment these past two days where, um, you know, Trump decided to um, start like just making things up about what he's doing. Right. He just started to do that. Well, he's like doing stuff like, um, you know, like I just, I just made, I just covered all pre-existing conditions, you know? <laughs> right. And like in the real world we live in, we know that's not true. Right. Yeah. Um, but like, <laughs> you know, we're stuck in this sy- system where no one can come out and say that he lied about it. Right. Why not? Well, like, you can't have a headline that says Trump lies. Right? Trump lies today. Trump lied today. That's not how it works. You have to, like, report that he said it. So he said this totally bonkers thing that's not true. Yeah. But we all have to, like, swallow that he did it. Um, So that's weird. That's a weird dynamic that's going on. I don't know. I mean, I think the Washington Post usually handles it pretty well. They're like, you know, they're almost they're almost catty in their coverage. They're well, like, they're like a remarkable lie, <laughs> right? <laughs> but like, yeah. But it's like a sickness that the media has where they can't come out and say things are lies. And I don't know. I don't know how we get around it. I mean, I do think they they have like a fact checker. He's like pants on fire, four thousand, and they have little infographics like the four thousand lies Trump told in his presidency, broken down by category. You know, like uh, it feels like people have gotten to the point where they don't want, they don't think people should be quoted. Like we shouldn't actually hear what the president said. Well, I don't know how it plays, right? So I don't know how the general public reacts to it. But it it, it just seems like, you know, in a vacuum, a really bad situation where... Um, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's all this pressure that's put on the New York Times and the Washington Post about, you know, like the minutia of their coverage as if this is what's swinging votes... When Republicans are listening to Fox News or worse. It's not their fault. I'm just saying it's a challenge, right? So the president did sign an executive order and it does cover, like it says, it says ostensibly, you know, we're covering pre-existing conditions. Uh, But like, how do you report that? I don't know. I don't know what the best way to report that is. Part of me thinks that you just like shouldn't report it. Because it's, you know, meaningless, right? Like, it shouldn't be a headline. Well, he's also extending unemployment benefits, right? Theoretically, but he's not. If it's legal, right? Well, it's not legal. I mean, that wouldn't make any sense. Like, how could that be legal? Like, this whole time in American history... I don't know. How is building a wall with military funds legal? Um, well, it's not. Right, courts haven't stopped it. Did, has this case truly been heard yet? The whole wall funding thing. Yeah, I don't know. I think they've just uh, declined to put an injunction on building it. But like, there's no way the Supreme Court rules that the president can just give funds, right? Like, what's the purpose of Congress if Trump can do this? Well, I mean, he's got a budget. Like, he has cash that's been allocated by Congress. The question is, can he spend that for a totally unrelated thing not approved by Congress? Yeah, it does sound kind of bad when I say he it out loud. can't do it. I mean, the defense budget is like $700 billion. He can't just say, well, you've allocated $700 billion for defense. I can just spend it all on welfare. Because what better defense... Right. You could come up with any kind of justification. It doesn't make any sense. 
Like, Congress allocated money for specific purposes. It, they control the purse. So there's no way the Supreme Court would rule this is okay. Right? I have no idea. That's and he, also, like... he also made it so that, like, governors have to sign off on it. Right? Governors hmm. have to chip in, like, 25%. Right. Um, that doesn't make sense. Um, so it's it's just not going to happen. It kind of makes sense. It's just not going to happen, right? That That's not a real... But certainly what's not going to happen is the law that already exists isn't going to be superseded by an executive order that says the exact same thing as the law. But the law that already exists is expiring. No, no, no. I'm saying protections for pre-existing conditions. Like, that's the law of the land. Oh, right, right, right. You know, that that part is totally bullshit. It's like if Congress passed, you know, a law building a monument, and then you, like, signed an executive order creating the monument. <laughs> like, that's not... It's insane. Like, the headline is that you are insane. Right, Yeah. So I, but I don't know how to write that. Like President Trump in flagrant deception. You can't do that. It's not objective. So I don't know what to tell them about how to cover such a thing. Um, President Trump issues executive order uh, that is already law. And will have no effect. (laughs) I mean, another thing you could do is just be like, you know, President Trump embraces Obamacare, right? (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Because from an objective standpoint, it is true, right? Yeah. It's like the only part of Obamacare, the only major part that's left. Right. Um, So you could do that, but that's like trolling, you know? Yeah. the literal objective truth is President Trump signs executive order guaranteeing coverage for pre-existing conditions. Yeah. So I'm looking through the news and it is definitely tough to cover. Let's get this guy out of the White House. I'm sick of him. Seriously. Um, It's going to be great. It's going to be great to see him go make a stupid concession speech. And then a uh, very good chance we'll be alive when his heart explodes. And oh, hey, you know what I hate? Like, I hate so many things about him. But like, he's so warped our reality that when he dies, he'll have a special death. You know, it'll be like the Trump death, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it. He'll distort our reality all the way up to till his death. And then his death will be like the Trump thing. Like, it'll be weird. It'll be different. One of a kind. There'll be conspiracy theories about it. Yeah. It's, you know, I just want him to go away. I want him to stop. Like, 15 years ago, I lived in this reality where I thought about Donald Trump an acceptable amount, you know? And now I've thought about him... <laughs> More than I've thought about my own penis, right? Like, wow. I think about him all the time. Like, every day you think about him. Yeah. And, like, it was when, fun. It was fun for a while. When Obama was president, weeks would go by. Weeks would go by when I would think about him, you know? Because uh, nothing yeah. really happened. And that was good. That was better. That's what the Biden presidency is going to be like, you know? You think? Yeah, you'll think of Biden and you'll be like, oh, yeah, what's he up to? I don't know. I I think so. I think that will happen to some degree, but it'll never be like Obama again. There was shit with Obama, you know, well, latte salutes and tan suits and. But, you know, Obamacare and I, I, I think I think so. I think the Biden presidency will be like this low level comedy that happens right because he's gonna say goofy stuff and like you know um the cute things will happen right you know uh the dogs will be in the rose garden and like causing trouble things like that will happen 
And then there'll be this like really bizarre subculture of conspiracy theories, right? And like people can't stop, right? Um, and Trump's not going away, right? He's going to keep tweeting. He's going to keep tweeting. He's going to, you know, keep talking, going on talk shows. He'll be on Fox and Friends. So there'll be all this drama. There will be like, I think there will be constant political drama because outside of Obama, there was always congressional drama. You know? Um, when like when Boehner had to do the shutdown and shit like that. We live in a news cycle where every there's always a thing. Yeah. So I don't think we I don't think we're in for four to eight years of relaxation. I just think no, but comparatively, I just don't think it'll be the White House. But I mean, like, re- Republicans were crazy under Obama, right? We had the Tea Party, we had all that. That's all what kinds I'm saying. Shit. But it's, it's like, like, who cares? It's like, oh, this is a you know interesting, stupid diversion. That's that what I can it was to them, fun right? Of. In their mind. Um, oh, to them it was like a you know a righteous revolution. Uh, Got to rein in those deficits. I think to some degree it was like they um, were so bad that a black guy was president. I think a lot of it was that. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to wrap your brain around that, but it does seem. Because how else do you explain it? Like the whole Tea Party thing started because of a douchebag on Fox News ranting. Oh, CNBC, I think. Rick Santelli, right? Mm -hmm. And he was ranting and raving about the government bailing out homeowners, right? That's what he was mad about, is that the government was bailing out homeowners, that instead we should let people across the country go bankrupt, right? Default on their mortgages. And that became a populist movement somehow. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Like take and no one talks about this. That that the whole thing was about just like rage that a black guy was president. And so people were mad all the time that a black guy was president, and then they saw some douchebag on CNBC who was real mad at the president. And that's all they needed. They didn't need a logic. Um, they didn't need a through line to what that meant. Conservatives were also scared of Obama because he was so popular. You know, like when, when uh, his 2008 campaign, I mean, he had that like iconic Shepherd Fairy poster and like all the celebrities were, and like people were really, you know, like people thought of him like Gandhi or some shit, right? People were real like, hung up on the idea. People were, like the left was like smitten with him and the right was like freaked out by like, by that. People were real hung up on the idea that he was so popular that he would make communism happen. Mm-hmm. Or like they were just a slave to like how popular this guy was and there was nothing they could do. Um, yeah, that, that whole element was going on. I don't know. There's, there's, it was dumb from the start because he was just a guy. Yeah. The main reason everyone loved him so much was that he was following the worst president ever. I think that's part of it. And like his, his agenda was so milk toast. I saw a tweet saying that we shouldn't say milk toast anymore, that it's kind of cringe to say milk toast. Oh, really? But it's such a good, it, it means something. What does it mean? Like, real mild, boring. No, I know what it literally means, but is it <laughs> is it related to toast? Do you know the etymology? <laughs> I don't know the etymology. That's okay. a good question, dude. Like, is it because mild toast is, like, mildly toasted? Mm. It's, it's spelled all French. Well, it's definitely French, E. Where does the term milk toast come from? From the character Casper Milk Toast of the comic strip The Timid Soul. Wow. It's amazing, right? That's amazing. We just dropped some knowledge there. I I, I assumed it had some like French root from He got his name because he liked milk toast, which is buttermilk bread covered in white sauce. 
That is so milk toast. I would like to ha- try some milk milk toast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at it. First of all, first of all, buttermilk bread. What's that? I've never had that. Sounds good. Sounds rich. Well, you eat buttermilk biscuit. You've had a buttermilk biscuit. It's rich bread, right? It's got that, well, you know, buttermilk's got that little tang to it. Sure. So it's buttermilk, and then you put... Buttermilk toast, yeah. You put warm milk on it. You put warm milk on it? Uh-huh. Uh, sounds a little <laughs> weird. It's like yeah. egg noodles and butter. Well, I'm kind of I'm kind of put off by it, too. If it's real rich milk, maybe? Like a cream. Cream. I do and like then, things you can pour cream on. And then after you put the milk on, then you put some you put some flavoring on. So cinnamon is common. Um, but other people might put cocoa on it or uh, salt. Go wild. <laughs> Wikipedia says, although not as popular in the 2000s, milk toast is still considered a comfort food. Well, mm. I don't see why it would stop becoming a comfort food. That was probably hotly debated on the discussion page. <laughs> Citation needed. It seems like they're just trying to, like, you know, boost Milk Toast's ego. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, it's, times have changed. We all know that times have changed, and it's just not the same anymore. Uh, but you're still a comfort food. Yeah. What are, what are we going to do with this podcast? What podcast? Centrist Madness. Well, what do you mean? I feel like it's missing the <laughs> a, a Y element. A Y element? Yeah. We're trying to we're <laughs> We're trying to get people to vote for Biden, dude. That's important. No, I I know, I know, but uh, you know, I mean We've done it, me and you, and that's that's okay. And then we've had some guests and stuff, but I don't know. I mean, like, what if we just always had Sam Grady and Meg Mitchell on? That would be great, but would they ever agree to such a thing? That's the question. Now, Sam, he does get mad at us, <laughs> but he's never... He's never turned us down. Well, <laughs> that w- when so we've like, asked him to come on the podcast. So if we had Sam Grady and Meg Bitchell on every time, right? Yeah, it would be an amazing show. That's like four people. It's what it's what people like. It's like a bunch of people. Yeah. So yes, in that hypothetical scenario, our show would probably be a hit. That would be great, right? And I do like the idea of having more ideological diversity on it. Because some of the feedback we've gotten, what did our friend uh, Libby say? She's like, there's something that'll piss off everyone or something like that. And and that got me thinking, like, maybe we need some more diverse voices. Oh, I mean, absolutely. That's possible. But then is it still centrist madness if we do that? I think it could be. Yeah. I mean, the name sort of means whatever you want it to mean. Well, you're supposed to have, like, the classic trope is you have the one dissenter. Uh-huh. Like, I'm sure there's one bitch on the View who's like, uh, well, but not with crazy, podcasts. Right? This Isn't is what the, the the View has like a conservative one. This is right? the bone I, pe- I have to pick with other podcasts. Is like the uh, they just all agree with each other. Yeah. Um. Oh. I feel like Sam could work. Because he's not, you know, he's far to the left, but he's not, uh, he's not usually the, the, the people that we have a, a beef with, well, you know? and but he's he, like of that world. To, and he, I mean, who knows what that guy believes? I don't know. Hmm. Right. I thought it was really funny in um, the episode where uh, Megan asked him 
you know, you know, is he a breast guy? And he says he's a face guy. Because I feel like the truth is he is a breast guy. Yeah. And he's talking to like a woman with, you know, 10 out of 10 breasts. Right. Yeah. So he's fucking with her. I thought that was really funny. I think I'm a face guy. (laughs) (laughs) There are face men, though. I bet you're a face man. I'm a bit of a faceman. Faceman. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I I like the whole thing. Sometimes a woman's like a face. Sometimes a woman is a face woman, and you gotta really lock in on that. Well, you know, I, I uh, appreciate the woman in in Gestalt. That's how you say that. I don't know. You don't want to say Gestalt. You want to go. One don't want to go Gesh- for that. Gestalt is it Yiddish? Gestalt. German. Gestalt. It's a Gestalt. Okay. Sounds like I need to leave. Um. Why do you need to leave? Wait. Do we have enough time? No. We got. We got to do like another thirteen minutes, man. Do a segment. Um. The mousy doozy. Let's do the mousy doozy. The mousy doozy. You got one. You got one handy. Let me see here. Oh, you know, this Bree Newsom tweet, I would like to enter that as a contender. What is it? Let me find it. So she's she's reading Billionaires the Riot Act. Because while there are less than a thousand of them, they control thirty to forty percent of the country's wealth. Which of course is wildly off base. It's more like two to three percent. Yeah, they're in this worth... tweet, she gets. So yeah, okay. So I didn't like, see this. This is great. You didn't see this one? No, this is great. Okay, so first of all, there's like eight hundred billionaires in the U.S. Right? right. The total wealth of billionaires is like two trillion. Okay. Which shouldn't blow your mind. No. I mean, there's a thousand of them, so you know, like the bottom half of billionaires is going to be like one point zero five. Yeah, like one, like one point three, one point two, one point one. Right. Like that's just the way the distribution works, right? Right. So you could assume, you know, two trillion dollars average two billion for a thousand people, right? Uh huh. Well, GDP is fucking seventeen trillion. All right. So, in order to have like forty percent of GDP, you're you know, you're talking like, what like six seven trillion, which so already, you know, the numbers is is clearly wrong. You should be able to figure out like there's no way that these eight hundred people own forty percent of U.S. wealth. Here's here's an example of so. On this subject, when I think about politics, right, I don't think that any politician is special. Right? I don't think there's I don't think there's an honest, truly honest politician out there in the national level. Okay? So I'm not super brokenhearted when a politician is full of shit. But when Bernie Sanders, who is less full of shit than the average, when he says that, like, you know, billionaires have made 30% profit since the pandemic, right? Right. And he's doing two, he's doing two lies there, right? Because he's, he's saying the pandemic the started. crashed. He's saying the pandemic <laughs> the stock started. stock market crashed and the stock, mar- and like the stock the market The pandemic started up. after the stock market crash caused by the pandemic, right? So that's bullshit. That's lying. He's lying when he does that. He knows that's bullshit, and he's lying. Whoa, wait, what did he say? That the stock market crashed? No, he's saying, like, he's saying billionaires have made X amount of money since the pandemic. Like, during the pandemic, right? Oh, but what he's doing and he really means... Is comparing the bottom that they hit after the pandemic started. And right. And now they're back at normal, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, so that's a lie. He knows that's a lie. He has a mutual fund. 
right? He knows he's lying. Um, and then the second thing is like, yeah, n- nobody's looking at their mutual fund. Like I just made a hundred thousand dollars, even though I have 20,000 less than I did right. at the start of the year. Right. He's lying. So that's bullshit. And then the other thing he's doing is acting like this money is just net profit and we can just tax it. Right. He thinks that he, so he like proposed some bill today that imposes like a 30% wealth tax on whatever wealth you made during the pandemic. Right. And it's like, yeah. so what he's at, first of all, it's, it's, it would never pass. Yeah. Second of all, it's impossible. Like it would to liquidate 30% of his assets. Jeff Bezos would have to start a stock market crash. Right. Right. So it's absurd. And he knows it's absurd. He knows that there's not some pot of money that they can just take from. He's yeah. lying to his supporters. It's bullshit. So all these all these fucking politicians, everyone who does that is a liar. There's some people on Twitter who are so dumb that they think that's how stocks work. That like you just get money in the bank from the stock. Right, like like Jeff Bezos like checks his phone every morning and like his money went up or down. Right. That's that's what some people think, but like, or he could sell it all for. So there's no. You know, he could cash out with like eight hundred billion cash. So when people like Bernie fans get hung up on the slightest hypocrisy, right, or the slightest you know, deception, it's all the same shit. Every politician is like this because it's how you it's how you can be a senator. Being honest about everything would not let you be a senator. It's tough, yeah. All right, I found the Bree tweet. The billionaire class needs to be abolished. There's less than 1K of them. They account for 0.0002% of the total population, but they control 30 to 40% of all wealth in the country. We can literally write all their names on a sheet of paper. It's a practical place to start. Well, sheet of paper is always the best place to to start. (laughs) I was like, okay. How do we follow that up, though? You wrote all their names on a piece of paper. Right. Now it's like like Sansa's list in Game of Thrones. We got to cross them off one by one. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, it wasn't Sansa. It was uh, the little one. The other one. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Wrap it up. So, yeah. Wrap up the episode. So, yeah. 7,000 retweets, 27,000 likes. If that doesn't ruin your faith in humanity. Well, I mean, our faith in humanity is hanging by a thread at this point. String them up. <laughs> <laughs>